we're just getting back in our rhythm because we haven't seen faces in a month. Well, it's been over a month. It's been about six weeks. So it's just so good to see y'all. Like, is it, is, it, is it just as good in your jammies? No, it's not. It's not just as good in your jammies. Now, I know that the church world online is used to being in their jammies, but if you're watching online, jammies can't replace community. So you need to come to church. We miss you. God needs you in his house. And once you, uh, once you feel comfortable, of course, come on up to One Seed Church because we're not missing church. We're, the church. The church never stops. The church never sleeps. God's mission never stops. But I thought this sermon's interesting because um, I wrote it a long, long time ago. And what I do is I kind of like have thoughts and ideas and I'll write them and then I'll come back to them and kind of like move them along. And then the week of the sermon... They get kind of dialed in. I feel like God gives me more stories that week and things. Just I kind of feel like he brings it into focus. This one kept getting rescheduled. That's not always a good sign. Why do I keep bumping this one? I think this got rescheduled twice, Nate, and that's never happened. But now I kind of get it because it's a new year. And I don't know about you all, but everybody is ready for something new. They're just tired of the same thing. And I know that's cliche because... New year, new you, and New Year's resolutions. But let's be honest, nobody's going to stick to those. (laughs) Maybe you will. But the only way we can really stick to something is if we really change our actions and do something different. And it's just not going to fall out of the sky. The preacher pack that I've yet to have in three years of doing this ministry has yet to show up. And it doesn't help that I'm eating the sausage trays and the, and the goat cheese thing Michelle makes and the salami roll-ups on New Year's Eve and the buffalo chicken dip and all those things. So I'm saying, God, why? And he's saying, because you're not doing what I told you, which is exercise. Oh, that. Does anybody else struggle with exercise? Especially when everything's been so confined to your home that it's like hard to do anything active because it feels weird to be physical. Sweating, what is that? I haven't sweat in like five years. I mean, a year. It just feels like it because of corona. But I felt like this message was timely because my hope today is to give you a reminder of who God is to be in our lives in a a few different ways. And if I don't ever give you detail, it can all sound really nice and abstract and you can can hoorah about it and it can be a good Instagram post. But if I don't give you any application on how to really live this life, it'll still be a struggle and it's gonna be a struggle either way. When you do something, when you will to do good, the enemy's present. And when, when you will to do good, that's when you're gonna find new battles you haven't faced. That's when your faith is going to be tested in a way you haven't been tested. And uh, if it's just easy peasy, maybe you're not a threat to the devil. Can I just say that? If you, want to, if you want to fight for God, expect some battles because that's how God promotes you up the spiritual ladder. That means you're a threat to the devil. And that's, that's a good thing because the devil's a bluff anyway. But I want to give you this passage in Acts 2, just verses 22 through 24. This is the uh, apostles reflecting back to the men of Israel what Jesus did while he was on this earth because sometimes they need a reminder, you know? It's easy to forget. It says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you, he tested you by miracles. He tested you by wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves also know. You know because he did it in front of you and you saw him. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and the foreknowledge of God, 
That's what we call predestined. It's not that God pulled our strings and we showed up. He knew ahead of time what we were going to do before we did it. That's what, that's what according to the foreknowledge, that's what according to the predestined plan of God means in the scripture, in case somebody confuses you with that. But he says, according to the purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. It was not possible what you tried to do. It was not possible, but yet he also did the impossible when he rose from the grave. He did miracles, signs, and wonders. And I think it's easy to forget that my subject today is the miracle worker because it's easy to forget that God is a miracle worker. And in 2020, 2020, goodness, how many 20s are there? In 2020, we can forget that God still worked many miracles. You're here today. That might be a miracle. Maybe Corona wasn't out to get you, but something else was, and God spared you from that. God's always doing miracles and signs and wonders around us, but based on the condition of our mind and where our focus is, we can forget that he's a miracle worker and soon be saying, crucify him like they did. By the way, if you're online today, or if you're not online, I want to encourage you before we go back. This is a nice commercial break from the sermon. Before we go into the full sermon, I encourage you to check in on Facebook. It matters. It helps spread the word. And if you know somebody, none of you are new here today, but if you know somebody that's new, if they come once, tell them if they come three times, they'll just love us to death. Three times in a row. Three times is the charm. You got to get to know us. You got to see that we're not weird. And then the second time you come back and say, they're not weird. I kind of remember, I kind of remember Rusty's face. Okay, they got coffee. And by the third time you're saying, hey, to the new people walking in the door, because you're family. Takes three times. I'm serious. Try it. You might like it. Except broccoli. Never really changed for me. But I've seen God do amazing things in my life, yet when I struggle, it's like I'm pleading with him to reveal himself just one more time. One more time, God, to stimulate my faith into a place of peace again. You know, it's like numbness. You go numb. Like, you can be filled with the Spirit of God and still go numb to God's presence pretty easily if you, if you distance up here from him. And so when that happens, like in 2020 uh, and all the things, and, and now we're into 2021, and we're trying to re-stimulate uh, with a New Year's resolution. We're trying to re-stimulate um, the, the mood for, for the church culture. We're trying to re-stimulate um, going out into public because we're tired of it being the same way. We've become numb to the mask thing. We've become numb to corona. We've become numb to all of it. And so then we're begging God to give us another stimulant to revive our faith into that place of peace again, like we're stir crazy. And now we're looking for just contentment again. I've been cooped up so long in this house that I'm getting stir crazy. So God, remind me that you're there. Bring me back to that place of peace. But the concern with this thinking is that the constant reminder to remain faithful might be an indication that my faith is not actually where it should be to begin with. If I need a constant reminder for God to do something to show me he hasn't left me, what kind of faith do I have to begin with, right? Because faith doesn't waver. God's faithfulness doesn't waver. Our faithfulness to him can waver, but his faithfulness, faithfulness to us does not waver. So my question to you is, are you believing God this year for something audacious, something the world says is impossible, that God can truly do anything he pleases and has 
your best interest as his child? Are you believing with that kind of faith into 2021? Or has your faith gone stale like some old bread that's not good when you freeze it and rethaw it? Uh, flashback to yesterday's bread sermon. It's on the YouVersion Bible app, by the way. If you want to check that out. Yesterday's bread. We talk about my mom's stale bread that she likes to freeze. <laughs> now she's shaking her head. It wasn't stale. It's just frozen, and it's not fresh when you thaw it. It's just not the same. Anyway, deep thoughts by JG. But if your faith today feels like it needs an insurance policy renewal, you may be missing the fact that God has forever ensured his protection over you when you became a new creation in him and joined him in the internal covenant bound to the heavens. You don't have to keep renewing this thing. It's a one-and-done renewal. It doesn't expire if you don't pay the bill. You know when the agent calls you? Isn't that so annoying? It's like three days late, and they call you for their check, and you're like, well, actually, it's in transit. It's bank, it's bank mailed. It takes 10 business days. And so then they think you didn't pay. See, it doesn't work like that. The insurance policy we get with, with God's faithfulness doesn't expire, and we don't have to worry about reviving it constantly, needing a renewal. So this year, I want you to know that God will continue to deliver miracles, signs, and wonders, as the scripture has said in Acts, to his faithful children. You know why? Because he loves you. He loves you. When all the theology and all the world and all the confusion sets in, remember one thing. God loves you. He loves you, and that's why all the rest, he's got it covered. Because he loves you first. And so we're going to take a trip through these passages, and I, I tend to, I've been going really long lately. I've been winded. I don't know what's, I'm turning into like a preacher. And so I'm trying to use this clock that's in front of me, and I have this problem, Cindy, of not even seeing it. It's in front of me for like two years. I've never noticed what time it was because I don't even see it. And so I'm trying to, I put a note, I put it on my notes, check clock. Deep spiritual inspiration, check clock. 1046, okay. Anyway, so... God, God loves you. That's great. What does that mean? It means he's there to do things through your walk, okay? It means he's there to, to do things through the journey. That if you forget he's there trying to offer it to you, you'll feel like you're carrying the weight. Isaiah 9, 6, we touched on this just a few weeks ago. It's the Christmas passage. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will, called, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's a lot of things, but what he is first to you is he's your counselor. You don't need to go lay on somebody's couch and give them all your problems because you've got the best therapist there is in Jesus Christ through prayer. You can tell God your issues and you can tell him your concerns. And it says, the Bible said, Isaiah prophesied that he is a counselor. He is your counselor guide. He is to steer you when you don't know which direction to go. He's there to lead and guide us. And, and by, by, by becoming one with him, he's given us access to this eternal knowledge base of wisdom by his spirit. And the way he counsels us is testing us through trials. If you don't know how to go through a trial, how can he guide you to something different? How do you know without being tested People say, well, why would God do that to me? I don't believe God does this or that to us. I don't believe God strikes lightning bolts on his people. He could. But I think what God does is he takes opportunity to reveal himself 
when we don't have, he doesn't have our attention. So when a problem of the world, because we're born in this world of sin, when a problem comes into this world and into our life and we hit a, a trial that we don't know how to handle, that's when he's saying, I'm here to counsel you because I am wonderful, mighty counselor, everlasting father. So he is our counselor. How does he love us? By counseling us, by showing us. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek. And if we don't seek, God's not going to just come grab us and drag us into his presence. Remember lots of presence? We talked about that. He's our counselor. It's not that he desires us to suffer. It's that he desires us to lean on him when we're suffering so that we can become free of the pain. And a lot of times counseling gives us instructions that we don't like. He says, go to church. He says, quit hanging around those people. He says, you're struggling with that addiction. You need to walk away from the temptation. He says, you can't get along with them. Maybe they're toxic in your life. That's not who I meant for you to have. But God, it's more comfortable and convenient that I stay the way it is and just tolerate than to actually change because it can be painful to really take the advice of the counselor. Oh, let me tell you, as a preacher, the battles are so much bigger than I ever planned. And most of them are up here. The devil tries to get your mind. If he can get your mind, he can get everything. And let me tell you, church, that you need God's counsel. You really can't walk this walk without his counsel. And until you experience a trial big enough, you won't have that revelation. You can just kind of coast but God desired, remember, we discover God's perfect plan made just for you. So you have a, a need God wants to fill through the gifts he's put in you. But you have to be willing to go in the journey and seek him for counsel. Because if you try to do it alone, it's like fresh meat to the enemy. he mess with you. Touch your neighbor tell him he'll just mess with you. He'll mess with you. But he's a fraud. Don't forget that. He's a fraud. Anything he does to mess with you, He's a fraud. He's a liar, and he loses in the end. It's not easy to take the counselor's advice, but if it's God and he's my everlasting father, I'm going to take his advice. Jesus directs our steps in a way that we don't understand in the moment, but in hindsight, I can't count the times. I said, thank you, God, for protecting me from being such a fool. Has anybody else ever been in that situation? Am I the only guy that has issues? Nate, you have issues? Nate has issues. Okay, good. Like, thank, thank you for my bride, but other than my bride, why did I even have a crush on them? Oh, my Lord, what a wrecked my life. Oh, God, just give me the will of your heart. Then why are you seeking them, he says. Well, it just makes me feel fluttery inside. Little butterflies fly around. But God says, that's not my will. That's your emotion. The devil's messing with you because you're just desperate. That's not what you want. You need someone who's going to love you, take care of you, commit to you. Be faithful on and on. Seek my counsel and I will bring thy great reward that you can't even endure. It's so good. You just got to share it with the world. That's the kind of blessing I give, says the Lord. I am the counselor. Is my dad in here? My, my dad's in here. I talk about my dad a lot because it's funny. I don't know if you can hear me, dad, but when I was younger and the more I got into the scripture, we would bump heads a lot. And, and in the moment, I thought, he just don't want me to have any fun. 
He just wants to ruin everything. You know, I'm 25. I didn't really talk like that. Maybe when I was 15, I did. I remember one time I called him. I remember, can I just throw this in there? This is kind of funny, Dad. I remember when I was like 15, I got in wrestling. I thought I was tough, Rusty. I was 15, never lifted a weight in my life, but I just started wrestling. And I remember I said something to my dad, and next thing I knew, I was on the floor. I didn't know my dad could wrestle like that because he never was in wrestling. And then I realized, oh, that's just because he's my dad, and you don't, you don't call your dad that as a 15-year-old boy. So I never did again. I don't know if you remember that one, Dad. That was great. You know, up in the, in the dining room, uh, Shuttler, I remember that. Anyway, it changed my life. Thank you. So, no, but, but when I'm talking about the Bible here, when we got into the Bible and, and the things, and I was, I was struggling with certain things I was trying to hold on to, but still go, go join this life over here. And he was saying, hey, I don't know about that. And I was saying, well, you, what do you know about it? You're just, you know, I'm just thinking you're just disconnected from my life and all these things. And so we would struggle, but my dad always had my best interests. So he was trying to counsel me and I wasn't hearing him because it wasn't what I wanted to receive from the counselor. So if it wasn't the nice Harry and David, I don't want it counselor. But if it's a nice cheese tray from Harry and David, I'm all about it. But does that really help the preacher pack? No, makes me fat. All the calories. Can we say F-A-T? Oh, he said fat. It's not the first time, okay? So anyway, the gift that I wanted maybe isn't good for me. The counseling advice I wanted maybe isn't good for me. And maybe the thing that's best for me is a thing that I can't necessarily handle hearing in the moment. But thank you, because in hindsight, it was for my best interest and made me a better human being. And that's what God is trying to do. He's trying to counsel you so that eventually you go, okay, I get it. You had my best interest all along. You weren't trying to stop my church from growing and you weren't trying to stop the world from succeeding and you weren't stop, stopping to try to get, you weren't trying to keep me from my promotion. You were trying to prune me into who you needed me to be so you could counsel me and that you could handle what I'm trying to give you when you get it. But you got to be tested. And then you got to listen to the counselor. And that's not Google. And it's not Siri. And they're friends. And it's not Alexis. Man, she's nosy. Golly, I had to unplug that chick. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's been online for a month. Give me, give, me, give me a little patience. I'm a little loose with my, my slang here today. But God is the only counselor you should seek advice from. Or wise men like my father, I can trust my dad because I know that God is in him. So seek counsel from those who admonish God and, I mean, who give, who give to God, who, 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 um, Glorify God, excuse me, and, and live that life. Those are the people you want to seek from that will make you better. So it's not only God himself through prayer, and, but God will use men to deliver his answer. God will surround you with the right people to grow you up in your understanding of the advice that you previously rejected. He's our counselor. He's our counselor. The next thing he is, and you all have heard this in the old KJV. Michelle, what's the song? Jehovah, Jehovah, I don't know. I always tuned out and probably was playing with my beeper because I didn't have a phone back then. But if we jump to Genesis twenty-two, fourteen, 14, I only know the KJV. But this is the NKJV. It says, and Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, or the KJV is Jehovah Jireh. You got to say it like that, okay? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Provide. 
He's my provider. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. He's talking to the Israelites. It shall be provided because he is your provided. So not only do I have someone who loves me so much, who only has my best interest, that he's going to counsel me on how to do the things I should do, and then he's going to also give me what I need to do it. (sighs) Too good to be true. I doubt that. Does anybody else doubt? It's just too good to be true. It sounds good. It's just a scripture. How does it apply to my life? It applies to my life because when you seek God for change, he says, okay, here's some people who can help you. Here's some people who want to change like you. Here's some people who are messed up like you. And when you get in their presence and you all seek me together, I'm going to use you to change the world. And you're going to find fulfillment in a a way you never have. So you're going to be drawing from my supply and you didn't even know it. He's actually supplying us with resources, provision. He desires to give you what you need. He desires it. You know, God has feelings. The scripture says, you know, um, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. He got angry in the synagogue. God has emotion. In fact, how could we serve a God who didn't? Because he would never understand who we are. That's why he had to come in the flesh and die on the cross so he could be tempted and tried like us. Because if we could not relate to him and he could not relate to us, There could be no communion. Does that make sense? We have to have that bond. So he actually has feelings, and he actually desires. It makes him fulfilled as Lord to see you strive and do well and meet the plan he already set out for you to accomplish. So why worry when we know that God desires to supply all our needs, and he will? Well, usually it's because it doesn't feel like he is. Well, I know he will, but when is he going to do it? And I know he, he is. And, and then the thing is, like, maybe this has happened to you. Maybe he already is, and you're not seeing it for what it is. Maybe he is supplying and changing something, and you're looking down here, and he's got it happening around you. And so, again, we can become distant up here and forget what God is already doing, because he really does desire the best for you. That's why he's willing to supply all your needs, because he loves you. And when we decide to worry about toilet paper, and we, I mean, it's a legitimate thing. No toilet paper would be a bad thing in my house. My kids, like, go through a, I think my kids go through a roll of toilet paper every 45 minutes. I mean, every time I see that cardboard thing, I'm like, we got the little slide-off things, you trash cans right there. I try to see how fast I can do it. It's like changing a, changing a pistol, We go through that toilet paper so fast, but after a while, I got to remember that no matter what happens at the end of the day, I trust God. I trust God. Because you know what? There's really no other option. If you try to not trust God and you try to calculate all the panics and the possibilities, and if this happens and if this happens, you go crazy. So don't, don't waste your time. Because we know that God desires the best for us. We know that he works in his time. We know that he's trying to counsel us, that maybe we're not hearing him, and we know that he's supplying us. So we should be good. There's no worry left. That makes me feel good. Is anybody else, is this, is this resonating? Are y'all receiving this? I know it's been weird to be in person, and you're all like, you're used to being in jammies and stuff, but I'm just trying to wake y'all up and remember, like, it's okay. It's okay to give God praise, and it's going to be good. It's going to be good this year. He's our supplier, Jehovah 
Jaira. And I, I hope I wasn't disrespectful by making fun of that song. It's just the way I always sang it with the southern accent. It's just how I learned it. I don't know. But I really, I really value that God is our supplier. So don't forget he's continuing to deliver miracle signs and wonders to his faithful children because simply he loves us. I think the biggest issue I have and probably others is we try to replace that supply with possessions, things. Well, if I just get this this year for Christmas, I'll be happy for five minutes, says my kids. But at the end of the day, nothing sustains. So we can, we can try to acquire the best house in the neighborhood. We can try to acquire the car, even though we're all working at home right now, so we're not driving that thing. We're just paying a bill in the garage, Larry. We can try to acquire the best restaurants and the best foods, and we can the best clothes. Man, do you know they made watches that cost that much? Wow, and you can get them online. I had no idea. I love that emerald green, by the way. It's so nice. Anyway, gift ideas. So, so, like, so like there's all these things, but at the end of the day, I'm replacing my faithfulness with my possession. And possessions aren't a bad thing until they replace what's priority. That was the problem with the rich man. It doesn't say money is evil. It says the love of money is the root of evil. And that's because when the, when the love of anything else takes the place and the faithfulness in something else takes the place of what only God can supply, that becomes an idol. That becomes your idol. Whether it's pornography, whether it's food, whether it's tablet addiction, oh my Lord, whether it's smartphone addiction, whether it's Facebook, whether it's um, relationships, whether it's anything, you name it. If it takes the place of your faithfulness, it's become your idol and it's no longer the Lord you're serving. That's a dangerous place to be. You remember when um, I was talking about yesterday's bread? That's a sermon from about a year ago, I think. And we were talking about the manna from heaven that God provided to the Israelites for a season. Do you, does anybody remember? Because I know y'all just watch these on replay and you just can't get enough of it. And every hour of the day, you're popping up the one seat, YouTube, and the podcast, whatever, Cindy, and it's like every 60 minutes, new sermon. Oh, let me hear that one eight times this week. I'm just kidding. That would, that would make me sick too, um, hearing me talk that much. Um, but yesterday's bread, you remember, does anybody remember what God did when he gave him the bread? that there was, a, um, there was a, a rule with how he was delivering that bread. It was for a season. It was temporary. It wasn't forever. And do you remember what they tried to do? They tried to hold on to it. They couldn't see that God was actually setting them up for something better. So instead of embracing by faith that, hey, he's given me manna from heaven, not starved to death, they immediately tried to hold on to it. Remember, it rotted the next morning. He said, don't hold on to it, and they did, and it would rot and be filled with worms and ew and gross, kind of like those leftovers still from Christmas Eve in the fridge that finally need to get out of here. Thank you, Michelle, for that, by the way, and, and, and the garbage disposal, and the stink smell is finally gone. Get some bleach in there. Anyway, do you, all, you remember what I'm saying? So, so they try to do that, but what they don't, what they didn't know until hindsight is that God was setting them up to harvest their own ground and grow their own crops. Can you believe that? Isn't that awesome? I mean, in hindsight. And they're like, man, I'm never going back to these thin, tasteless crackers again, Ben. But in, hindsight, in, in the moment, they wanted to hold on to them things because they thought there was nothing better, you know? But God said, all along, I was positioning you for something better. 
You have to trust and you have to let go when I say let go. You have to move past that when I say move past it because otherwise it becomes your roadblock to where I'm trying to take you. And you'll never find the harvest in the field to grow your own crops if you keep holding on to that stinky manna. Let go of the supply when it's time to let go of the supply. God wants to use what he's given you in the season and then let it be for the next person. Because now he's taking you somewhere else. And God won't give you what you don't need if you got it covered. If you say, I don't, I don't need the manna, then he'll just wait to send it. Because he's waiting for your cry to him, for him to supply. The last thing I want to cover, and there I am checking the clock now, twice in one sermon. That's a record. Now I'm going to be like, I'm going to have to shake this habit. It's ruined me. The last thing, and we just talked about this um, over Christmas, this is something that, before I give you the point, I want to give you a little build-up to it. This is something that we feel like God should do in our life all the time, but we're missing what really the point of why God does miracles. God is the miracle worker, right? So we seek that he does miracles. Remember, remember in Acts, it said he will... But to you, but he, he attested by God that it was God in him uh, by miracles, wonders, and signs. He did miracles. And so, so remember Lazarus, uh, John chapter 11, when he rose, Lazarus, we don't have to read the whole passage, but, you know, it's, he came to the tomb. They were, they were upset at him because he took too long. Because remember, he went to Starbucks. We talked about that. The line was long in Lake St. Louis. And then he hit he hit, you know, uh, Bethany and, um, and he took a jet or something. I don't know how he got to Bethany so fast from like St. Louis, but he is God, right? So he can do anything. And um, so he shows up, and Mary and Martha are upset at him because Lazarus is now dead. And, and, and they don't understand in this moment that Jesus was never there to raise a man from the dead. That wasn't the point of raising Lazarus. The point was to show that he was the resurrection, the way, the truth, and the life, the everlasting Father. He is the resurrection. And so, so God often will do something for you to really show you what he's trying to get you to understand. Remember he said, blessed um, um, for those who see with their, their spiritual eyes and hear with their spiritual ears, for that which is unseen is greater than that which is seen. But because of, I'm paraphrasing, because of your lack of faith, you know, rise up and walk. Like he would do a miracle for you so that you would then see what he's trying to show you. Like, hey, he's the resurrection. So when he raised Lazarus, that was for them. Do you think Lazarus needed to come back to this earth? He didn't need to when he was going to be in heaven. But God raised Lazarus to show them so that they would now remember that he was the resurrection. And so, so we are so like, so, like church, church, if you ever want to be a church hopper, this is, this is what will make you do it. Like, <laughs> this is great. This is really encouraging to you guys. If you ever want to be a church hopper, it's because they're never, the church has never given you enough that you need. Like, you need something to re-stimulate the thing. And God is saying, I'm trying to do that, but I need you in the conversation to do it. And as long as you're distant and you're waiting for a miracle every time you feel numb to your faith, you're never going to find it, even though over there is going to give you a little bit of attention for a few days because you're new, and they just think you're seeking God. God, but when, when, they, when they find out you're just seeking another miracle, then that's up to God, and they can't deliver that either. And then you're on to the next place and the next place, and eventually you, you run out because you're just seeking miracles. 
And God doesn't just work the way we want him to work. And so, thank God, he will still do a miracle. He will still heal you when you're sick. He'll still heal the doubtful. He'll still heal somebody that you pray over collectively. You know, we, we, we do these things because God will still do them anyway. Why? Because he loves us that much. But that's not his M.O. His M.O. is to get you to see and hear in the Spirit. The rest All the miracle signs and wonders were for that reason, because that's the good stuff. That's the stuff that draws you closer in a way that you're hearing voices different. I'm not talking about like you're crazy. I'm talking about when you hear people in conversations, when you're out, when you hear different things, you will start hearing them differently going, I don't like that anymore. I don't like the way that feels anymore. I don't want to hear that even. Like that makes me think weird. And, and I want to get that out of my garden. And all of a sudden, you're changing. It's not that you're judging. You're just saying, I don't want to. You know what you're doing? You're judging what's best for you, and that's good because God's trying to show you something. That's God indicating, hey, go another direction. So he does. So we do. But real miracles are the ones that are not seen. God says, that's not a miracle when I raised him. It's a miracle when I forgave sin and you couldn't even see it. It's a miracle that God could forgive sin, but we don't see it, so we don't value what we don't see. God says, I love you so much, I'll give you your miracle so I can reveal my miracle, says the Lord. He's the miracle worker. The miracles he does for us in this life, they benefit us in this life. The miracles he does is for eternal life. I'll leave you with this story, if y'all could stand with me as we close. 11.09, that's three times. Okay, this clock thing's really starting to get me, Michelle. <laughs> Before, I gotta, I gotta quit saying the corona. I gotta quit saying corona. Like, corona, like I should quit saying that, right? Quit saying corona. Like, corona, quit saying it. Anyway, uh, before last year, the beginning of last year, we, we put our kids in swim lessons. And uh, by the way, there's no closing music today. Don't worry, no, Lonnie's just, she actually took a day off. She has it in 12 months. So she's in Florida. Thank you, no, Lonnie. Thanks for the invite. Uh, just kidding. She'll be back next week with a nice tan and we'll all be jealous. And uh, we'll have our closing worship back. But today's a little different. And um, I want to leave you with this, that at the beginning of last year, we put our kids in swim lessons at Faust Swim School on Highway K. And it's actually really good. They were learning to swim, like better than I thought I could teach them. I, they don't, I don't need their help. I can teach them. And then I'm like, hey, maybe we should try this. And they were learning faster, better, like by professionals. So, so we put them all in, and each kid is in their own swim class. I know Kaylee was in her own at such and such time, because it's by age, you know, and, and level of experience. And then Colton or Taz, Caleb and Chloe were all in the other group, and they were, like, clustered over here with, with uh, so-and-so. And I remember, like, and then they got the little baby swimming with the mom and dad, and that's just interesting to watch. You got the dads in there, and it's, it's funny, and it's scary all at the same time. And, and then, you got, then you got, like, the toddlers, and, and so they put Kaylee on the other side. 
And so I'm always worried, right, about her drowning because I don't trust anybody because uh, daddy knows best. And so I'm like eagle-eyed on her over there. And one, one parent sits here with this class and the other sits with the other class in case, you know, one, one, one instructor passes out. Mom and dad's got to dive in and save, save the kid, right? So, so I remember there was this other kid who, who wouldn't get in the water and the teacher had a super soaker. <laughs> you guys remember those? And I'm just thinking, that doesn't feel inviting when you're three and terrified. And he's, he's, I mean, just like that. And, and then the teacher's like, come on, it's fun. Come on in the water. And then he's like, and he's like, he's like, I'm like, dude, you're shooting him. And he thinks you're, he thinks he's got a military dad probably. And he thinks you're attacking him. No wonder he doesn't want to be by you. Quit shooting him. Give him some love. But, but all this to say that the kid reminds me of Christianity and it reminds me of myself and reminds me of trying to follow the Lord and that God is saying, I've got this pool for you. If you get in my pool and, and over and over, the kid would creep up along the edge and, you know, his mom's over there and he's like, come on, Billy, just get in the thing. And he's just like, you know, to his mom, he's cursing his mom in baby language. And then, and then, and then the guy's like, come on. He's like, okay, okay. And then he screams again and he runs and he's crying. It's just, it's just, it's just hectic. I get my kid out of that water. But in a positive way, here's the flip guys, is that, Maybe that's how we've been treating God by the pool. Maybe that's how we've been treating him. Mean, he's not necessarily shooting you with that super soaker, but he's saying, look, the water's here. And we used to talk about, like, we just keep putting a toe in. How many years, Mike, do we put the toe in before we, before we really get in the pool, you know? A long time, right? Because we don't even know that we're actually only got our toe in. We think we're in the pool. The kid thought because the water was hitting him, he's part of the party. And the guy said, no, get in the pool. You just got water on you. But just because you're touched by God doesn't mean you're in covenant with the Lord. You got to get all the way in the pool. So after that, they were shut down because of, you know, last year. I won't say the C word anymore. And, um, but that, that just, you know, I hope that resonates with you because we have to remember that even when we get in the pool, sometimes we're getting out of the pool. We don't even know it. We're headed for the locker room with the thing you throw your clothes in to dry them really quick, like at the YMCA. I think they got those. And, and all of a sudden, five years goes by, and you haven't been by the water. And you've forgotten the water. So in this season of doubt, in this season of 2021, who knows what 2021 will bring, but I'm believing for the best. Who's believing for 2021 to be special and breakthrough for the church in the world? It's going to be better than last year, right? It's going to be better than last year. But when you doubt, whenever that is, usually when you're alone, remember that because God loves me, remember this right here, and we'll close with this. Because you love us, Lord, you are there to counsel me, and you are there to supply me when I don't understand how to apply the counseling You're there to give me resource. You're there to give me people who love me. You're there to give me your word. You're there to give me apps and all these study tools and all these things, worship music, all these things that I can saturate myself with in the pool to start remembering that you've had your arms around me all along. And that's when I'm going to see the greatest miracles in my life, the ones that nobody else will see, the unseen miracle when I embrace those attributes that you've always had for me. Let's just bow our heads in praise as we close right now. God, we thank you for 
January 3rd, 2021, that we're having church together. God, we pray this message delivers far and wide over the digital streams right now that you touch these people and let them know it's okay. It's all right. We can come into God's house. The devil won't take away nothing, and we're going to come back together, and there is no communion like in-person gathering that we all needed. And God, touch those people right now that are sitting alone, just starving for you, Lord, and they're wondering, how do I get out of this depression? How do I get out of this darkness? And God says, get out of your jammies, get into some clothes, and come into my house, and you will find revival. You will find fulfillment, you will find uplifting and encouragement to get your head right because I want you back in my house. God, be with us this week. We thank you for this opportunity to worship you this morning and at the house of God could say, in Jesus' name, amen.